Hello and welcome to the eighth episode of On the Pod, my lord. I'm your host, James Rushton. I'm joined by co-host Ellis Sanford. Hello, Ellis. Good evening. How are you doing? All good, thank you. And of course, Adam Clark. How are you doing, guys? Good, thank you. Good to be back on On the Pod. Been a while. Yeah, man. It's been a while, hasn't it? Been too long. Um, So... The Chicago, uh, a big congratulations needs to go out to the city of Chicago. Um, 108 years ago, they last won the World Series, and yesterday they won it again, leaving Aston Villa as the worst team in the entirety of sports right now. Um, <laughs> our colleague Jack Grimsey supports them. It's been a long wait for him and his family. Unfortunately, Alex Carson was on the losing side. The uh, Cleveland Indians blew a 3-1 lead. So yeah, Aston Villa and the Indians seem to be in a a bit of a state right now we're talking about Villa here but one of the highlights of Aston Villa is the performance of their ladies team um, on Sunday they are performing at Villa Park you can grab tickets from the website and we've got a load of content um, kind of curated by our manager Robert Linter on the Villa ladies me and Ellis are actually going to see them on Sunday excited mate I can't wait like, yeah, it's... I've been more I'm more excited for this than I have been to see the men's team at Villa Park in a long time I'm not going to lie well that's certainly <laughs> a uh... A, a massive compliment adam have you followed the villa, villa ladies much uh i'm gonna admit i haven't so uh i i've been doing what i what i hope we're all doing taking this week as a prompt to to get into it looking a little bit back through their history uh you know and where they are in the league so uh this is going to be their last game of the season i believe against watford yeah yeah um it's a re- it's really emotional for them as well because um they usually play actually round the corner from me um literally behind my house is Sutton Coldfield Town FC and they usually play there and unfortunately I've actually never went to see them because they've you know when I've wanted to go they've seemed to get tanked eight nil but there's a really good uh, rapport between them and the fans and little girls and even little boys you know everyone it's a real family experience and people love them and people follow them it's like a cult following would you believe it um unfortunately women's games at that level aren't televised it's the league up at the women's soccer league one that gets a lot of te- you know coverage on BT Sport so yeah for the ladies will be looking to make that progress next year under uh, Joe Hunt's leadership but Returning to the main Aston Villa team, Roberto Di Matteo is, of course, no longer the manager. Adam, how do you feel about his short stint at the top of uh, the club? <laughs> uh, yet another Villa story of kind of uh, potential potential wasted or, or potential disappointed. Uh, you know, the decision seemed like it came at the right time. Uh, we were definitely on a downward trajectory. Um but that early, there was an early phase where uh, certainly we were very unlucky. We just gave away a few unlucky late goals. And had, had we finished those matches off, we, um, you know, I think they could have been a good team to go. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it was the right time for him to go. Yeah, um, it's a bit unfortunate. I mean, uh, maybe he could have stayed and uh, seen it through. But Ellis, his tactics, what went wrong? I mean, Adam's the tactic man. I, I don't really know about tactics. All I know is I... All I know is I don't really know what went wrong because on paper he was the man and then on the pitch he wasn't the man. <laughs> well, that's, that's a perfect description of really why I, why I went to ask you because it's it, sometimes it's not as complicated as the, you know the tactical decisions. Everything just seems to go wrong for him and he didn't have a plan to get out of that. And um, two in midfield constantly. I think that's where it went, went wrong. Yeah, yeah. I think there is a problem that you know, a lot of Villa fans were frustrated with, which is that we had, um, you know, we had a whole string of very, very good strikers and, uh, you know, many of them performed quite well. Um, but our our midfield seemed too weak and we couldn't figure out who was playing. Mila Yedinak, Gary Gardner, Aaron Schiebler, um and Ashley Westwood. 
they all had uh, stints there in the middle and there was no consistent partnership and it looked very much like we had a weak middle of the field um, that was letting down letting down the strikers and letting down the defenders. Yeah, and Ellis, what's the highlights of Di Matteo for you at all, if any? I mean, he won a game. That was, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, well. I mean, Rotherham was a good win. And the thing that confuses me is the last couple of managers, there's been a point where you realise, like a turning point, like you had Tim Sherwood's game against Leicester. And after that, you think, hmm, okay, maybe he ain't the guy. It just never happened with Di Matteo. Like, there was no momentum swung either way. It was just sort of like a consistently, not even terrible, just consistently nothing, like five draws in a row. Yeah, so I mean... It was really uninspiring, a... and I'm kind of glad we've kicked that now. <laughs> I couldn't see it ending. Adam, Ellis said you're the tactics expert, so, I mean, when you're a team losing, predictably losing on the... Losing on conceding goals in the 86th, 88th, and 87th minute. What do you do? What do you, you do? Don't, you don't put on more strikers. <laughs> quite often what we saw. Um, you know, I know obviously there's, there's a lot of temptation to try and get that goal, think that, you know, that's, that's going to drive us on. But really, what you need is control of the match. Uh, and it's fair to say that Villa never had control really of a second half apart from, you know, that one easy win against Rotherham. We never really had control over 90 minutes. So uh, while there were brief bursts of good play under Di Matteo, there was never a sustained full match. And that was something that Bruce uh, seems to have criticised when he came in. He seemed to have suggested that the players were slightly unfit. I know that Tony Gia uh, as well suggested that the players were unfit. Uh, maybe that's a discussion we should have as well as to uh, you know what that relationship seemed like between the owner and the manager. Yeah, you probably... I don't get unfit because we had the bloody what was his name the shake of muscles or whatever that fitness <laughs> coach that came in. Um, I don't get fitness because it seems to have been something we can easily blame it on. Mm. And Aston Villa's problems for how many seasons? Um, you know, we said Tim Sherwood's failings were maybe because of fitness, and uh, it did look like the players were working hard in the preseason. It looked like there was a lot of stuff going on, especially with this uh, the uh, fitness coach we had, but. It is weird. I can't really sum up Di Matteo's reign as nothing more than beige, bland. Um, nothing really happened I at think all. the fact that he's going to go down as the worst manager in the club's history in terms of win percentages is unfair, given that he got sacked after losing three games. But, <laughs> I mean, it's tough, isn't it? Because we have to get rid of him. Hmm. But history won't be kind to the guy. Oh, no. Um, same with uh, Remy Gard. Same with Paul Lambert, managers who seem promising and have all the, the CV for it, but Villa ruins them somehow. Um, it does seem to be a graveyard for managers. I don't know if anyone in the Lambert's last... Come, Lambert's come out of it all right, though. I mean, he salvaged <laughs> himself a bit, and I mean, it looks like he's going to Wolves now. Yeah, I mean, uh, all the best to me, but um, it doesn't look like a manager actually comes out of Villa and goes to a better job. Um, I remember Martin O'Neill was being looked at for the Man United job, the Liverpool job, the England job when he was at Villa. And then the next team he managed was bloody Sunderland. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't think Aston Villa turns out well for anyone, except maybe Villa's new man, Steve Bruce. How do you feel about that, Adam? Yeah, um, he's got a difficult job. Um, obviously, he started well, two wins, two draws. That's a, that's a good early early uh, progress. He's got a bit of a difficult job in that he's been brought in to stop the rot 
Um, but at the same time, we've got players, uh, you know, in a team value that suggests we should be pushing for promotion. Um, so it's going to be an interesting question to see if Bruce is the kind of manager who can uh, who can push us on, and or whether his instincts are to try and stop the rock. But he's he's had success in in at this level in in taking a side to the top before. Yeah, and uh, Ellis, is the moniker of Potato Head relatively unfair to our new man, Steve Bruce? He looks in pretty good shape. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just a bit rude, really, isn't it? He's lost, <laughs> he's lost a lot of weight, to be fair to the guy. Um, so far, so good. I mean, we're not looking great, Andrew. Like, we're playing pretty ugly, but he's getting us results. I mean, I'll take ugly wins over pretty failure. Yeah, and I mean, um, I think there's this whole... We'll come on to it in a bit... But his whole conception of Steve Bruce as a rather unfashionable and stupid manager. But he actually he actually seems quite well spoken, knows what he's talking about, he knows how to win games and how to, you know, see out see out a draw at the very least. Um he's also a, a novelist. Did you both know that? That <laughs> he was actually a novelist. <laughs> I did, yeah. But his books are out of print and I'm a little bit gutted. I mean, <laughs> you can read them. They are online. Um, the set pieces. Oh, I will post a link with the uh, podcast, and you can uh, read the <laughs> reviews of his books. And one where he's kidnapped by the IRA, and they put a gun to his head, and um, <laughs> and he describes the uh, irrigation systems of Lancashire while the guns to the back of his head. In another one, um, he's playing a football match, and a sniper shoots the ball from under his foot. So uh, he's a very he's a very brave man. And you got something to say about this, Adam? Well, I just think we should we should be clear that uh, these are not supposedly autobiographical experiences. <laughs> they are those of a, a thinly veiled uh, copy of Steve Bruce. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's an interesting. I think they're an interesting insight into how the man views himself. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I just wanted to point out on the yeah on the uh, idea that he's unimaginative. To be fair, he came in, he looked at the problem that we'd had, which is that we had two in midfield, and it wasn't. Um, you know, we, we seem to be kind of giving up control in the middle of the field. And he did fix that. He switched us over to three men in the middle of the middle of the park. Uh, you know, tried playing with a lone striker up front and a couple of men out wide. So, um, you know, he's not rigidly stuck to his four four two or, you know, these kind of prehistoric tactics at all. Yeah, and I mean Ellis said that the style of play was boring and turgid and we we will you know, it is. It has been varied. I mean, Villa have played some good football. They've played ugly football. They don't seem to have a Bruce style at the moment. It seems to be very situational, especially in that game against Birmingham, the one we've just come out of, um, where nothing seemed to happen. And I think that was more of a result that Villa couldn't get their claws into the game and make a make an impression. But uh, Bruce, pretty pretty good so far. I've got not much negative to say. I mean, that Reading win was amazing. Ellis, what do you think? What do you think he's done all right so far? Then? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, he's got us wins, and that is fundamentally all that matters. And yeah, like, and I think the important thing actually against Fulham, we're one 0 up, and when we had Di Matteo, I was just sitting there expecting us to concede, and lo and behold, we would. But against Fulham, it just felt like you know what, we've got this, and we did. So if we can continue with that sort of non-panicky final 10 minutes, that would be lovely for, you know, results and for, like, my heart. Yeah. And what do you think, Adam? Yeah, I think, um, so the, obviously, the important thing that he's done immediately is he's made us hard to beat. 
And that's uh, something that we needed from Bruce. I think another thing that we've seen that's been quite good, and maybe we'll talk about this when we when we go on to talk about you know who we think's played best and worst. A couple of players have actually stood out under Bruce. Um, you know, especially Jonathan Codger, James Chester. A couple of players are starting to look like integral parts of the team. Um, but what we've not necessarily seen is uh, there are also some high-profile players who are being left out or who are being uh, forced slightly to the fringes. Uh, I think Ross McCormack especially would be one maybe uh, who's not playing necessarily in his preferred position right now. So that's going to be a challenge for Bruce, is that you make the best of what's uh, deep and should be a very talented squad. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, um, Steve Bruce... Um, there's no one I'd rather have. Um, he's adaptable, and uh, he's the type of manager who will, biographical experience may add, get out of a hostage situation with a two-footed sliding tackle. So, yeah, <laughs> adaptable, perfect, good man for the job, and uh, he reacts to change quite well. But, yeah, um, Villa's foreign manager argument here, every time a foreign manager goes wrong, Aston Villa need to... The, 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 the cry is for an English manager or someone from the home countries. Adam... Is there any difference between a foreign manager and an English manager, for real? <laughs> uh, apart from foreign managers generally being more successful at a high level, you mean? Uh, yeah, man. Um, I mean, Remy Gard was a good litmus test. Uh, came in with a massive CV, you know, uh, really impressive uh, recommendations from Arsene Wenger, everyone like that. And uh, he, it's not really his fault, but uh, Aston Villa, you know, capsized under him, under his watch, and... Uh, yeah, um, I don't. F- I think that is there a difference. Maybe they are better. Maybe they aren't. But I think that it's obviously situational, isn't it, Adam? Well, I would say um, what's important as well is you know we say oh they've got to have experience at this level. Firstly, Dimitri does have experience uh, at that level. You know he did get West Brom promoted. And secondly, he had Steve Clark alongside him, who has an enormous amount of experience at this level. And you would have thought. You know, if if there is an argument that he's going to airy fairy kind of foreign tactics, Steve Clark should have brought him back down to earth, and uh, that didn't seem to happen. Um, so really, no, I think the whole kind of oh, it's about foreign managers or it's about foreign players, not not knowing the league, kind of misses the point. You know, there's there's so many more factors going on. There's so so much more about building a cohesive team uh, that goes into it that uh, suggests that it comes down just to nationality. Uh, it's overly simplistic. Yeah, and in that case, there's a lot of people suggesting that, hey, Steve Bruce will be a quick fix, like a plaster or a band-aid on Villa's bleeding, and then we will eventually appoint a amazingly successful foreign manager when Bruce leads us back to the Premier League eventually. Is that something? How does Steve Bruce avoid being a quick fix? Just, like, stabilising the club, I guess. Like, if he can get us back up there and keep us back up there... Sure, we might want to eventually look at pushing on, but I think the important thing is to consolidate first. Like It's great being ambitious and saying, oh, we want the Champions League in five years, but really we want to be in the Premier League in five years, and then we look from there. Yeah, you're not wrong there, Ellis, at all. I mean, uh, Tony Shah's goals were, are a bit high, maybe more than Steve Bruce can give. But Adam, I mean, Villa need the foundation. Can Steve Bruce provide that? And is it unfair if we dismiss him once he's done his job? I mean, surely he should have as long as he wants or until he does bad or runs into a bad patch. Um, well, I don't know. I mean, the example that springs to mind, I'm not saying it's necessarily a fair parallel, would be um, Alex McLeish taking over after the brief period of Gerard Houllier. Um He was brought in as the idea was that he 
he would kind of stem the bleeding slightly. And he did, you know, he did for that one season. Um, but then when he wasn't making the progress that we needed, um, perhaps we didn't act quickly enough, um, you know, in thinking uh, how to move things on. And then again, we did bring in a young, supposedly progressive coach in Paul Lambert, and it didn't work out. So in succession planning is important. I always think personally that every club um, should have it in their mind. They should always have a short list of managers who they might think, um, you know, might be able to take the club on. And no, I don't think it's unfair to think that um, that if one of those managers, you know, a really top flight manager came available, um, you know, and the club felt like it was stagnating in that moment, that you might move for them. That's that's what you've got to do, especially uh, with the English League so competitive it is, is now. You've got to be looking for constant, constant improvement. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong, Adam. Um, what, what springs to mind as well is uh, Southampton under Nigel Adkins. He was doing fairly well. And then uh, there was a massive outcry when he was sacked, uproar, and they brought in Pochettino, who, you know, su- did nothing but succeed at Southampton and then Coyman. And now, um, I don't even know how to say his name, Claude Paul. Um, he's done, they've all done, you know, pretty well at Southampton. So Adkins built a foundation which has been massively improved on because of the club's structure. Great academy and uh, great coaching, similar to Leicester, but we've had the success almost. <clears throat> but um, best player so far, guys, for Villa. What do you think, Ellis? I'll come to you first. It's got to be James Chester, and not just because he's Welsh. He's yeah. just the the solid defender that we've been lacking since Ron Villar before he broke. <laughs> like we thought, maybe it was going to be Tommy Elphick, but. Nah, far, like Chester just fills me with far more confidence than Elphick does. It's got to be him. Yeah, don't blame you. Adam, where did Elphick go wrong? It's a really difficult one. So, I, I mean, I'm going to fess up because uh, I posted on the World to See before that, you know, in our preseason predictions, I had Tommy Elphick as our man to watch. Uh, you know, I had him as our, as our top player. He was going to be the leader on the pitch. Uh, to be honest, he just didn't—he didn't seem to add that kind of security. And uh, you know, we did talk about the midfield under Di Matteo earlier, but actually, the central defence was a big, big problem as well. They—they they were often making mistakes. Um, <laughs> I mean, he went wrong by not being good enough in defence, essentially. Yeah, um, I mean, his performance was barely better than that of the infamous Julian Lescott, um, especially against Newcastle, where he, you know, on my, on my rating, he brought in a perfect zero uh, with a, an own goal that he conceded and uh, various lapses of judgment or concentration. And it was good of uh, Dimitar to step by him because that was maybe the only positive, one of the big positives of Dimitar's round was pulling that draw out of the hat against Newcastle, sticking with Alfic. It looked like he put a bit of faith in the team. Alfic hasn't been one of Villa's best players, but Adam, who are you going to choose Villa's best player so far? I think it has to be that man, Jonathan Godger, to be honest. Oh, uh, you know, that's a good choice. He's pulling out some great goals. Um, you know, he's looking like he's thriving. Uh, he's also been, he's quite happily being put um, out left. He's been happy being put up front. Uh, you know, that bicycle kick that he scored that was uh, I always get confused like scissor kick scissor kick I suppose is what we're, what we're going about it was <laughs> um, good nonetheless yes he was looking great I mean you know he was up against stiff competition uh, you know you when you want to be if we're only going to play a lone striker and we've got McCormack Ayu uh, Justed and Codger that's a pretty tough competition uh, but Codger's done everything right to suggest that for now um, it should be him who's the nailed on starter and uh, Bruce needs to be looking at how other people work in around him 
I think people are going to be a bit upset, guys. I mean, Ellis, where's Gabby in this conversation? <sighs> Nowhere, thankfully. <laughs> Why is that? Uh, no, um, I just... I, I get the whole redemption thing. Like, good for him. And if he can get himself back to fitness, sure, he should be in contention. But the fact is, he's our fifth, maybe sixth best striker. So he just shouldn't be in the reckoning. In my opinion, that's fair enough. I mean, uh, what impact can Gabby have? Like Kodja, McCormack, Justed, Russian Hepburn, Murphy, everyone except Lebel, Kozak can have. I don't know what can Gabby bring to a game. Why isn't he in your contention for best filler player so far? Even though he's only featured in one game <laughs> for a bit. Well, again, this is yeah, it's a tricky time to make it because he did come on uh, in that Birmingham match, and by all accounts, uh, he he made more of an impact um, than than some of the other strikers had in ninety minutes. Um, but firstly, I think you'd have to say he's definitely only would only ever be a super sub. You know, he's a little bit older, and uh, you know. Secondly, yeah, I mean, there's so many, so much, you know, more exciting options there. Don't blame me. Don't blame you. I mean, uh, Villa have got firepower on the bench. Ellis, I know you weren't impressed with Gabby's performance in the Blues. <laughs> it's not Quite... that I wasn't impressed, and I agree with Adam that he'd be a super sub at best because. What I'm hearing from everyone is that he did well because he ran about a lot. But doing that is really not sustainable across 90 minutes. Yeah. And he just didn't do anything that any of our other strikers couldn't have done, except perhaps Rudy, who's not very efficient at moving. (laughs) Well, Adam, what have you got to say to that? Yeah, I mean, to be fair, if you wanted someone who ran around a lot, you could put Mika Richards up front and... uh... (laughs) I'm sure, or Alan Hutton, both of them, both of them praised at various times, you know, for running around a lot, but have been found out consistently just because actually, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And this is the problem with Gabby, of course, is that, yeah, he ran around a lot and, you know, for a certain while that was good, but his footballing intelligence, he just, you know, player Rain Rooney is struggling with aging and transforming himself into, you know, a different type of player. I think we would all accept that he's probably a little bit better than Gabby still. Um, I don't think Gabby's going to make it. I don't think Gabby's going to successfully reinvent himself. Oh, yeah, be a, need to be a complete change in philosophy, identity, playing style, fitness. A complete overhaul, which uh, I don't think many of us can pull out even with books on mindfulness, Buddhism, self-help, change, anything like that. Um, Gabby will have to pull a worldly change. So, yeah, I can uh, pretty much agree that he's not in the conversation with the best and worst. I just thought I'd pull that one out of the hat. But worst player, Adam... Who has been the worst player for you um, so far? And you can't say Gabby. <laughs> no, that that would be very harsh. Um, well, no, there's there is of course one obvious candidate, and it is that man, Ali Sissoko. Uh, Whoa! <laughs> two penalties, <laughs> two games. That that was <laughs> that was an excellent giveaway. Uh, yeah, I mean, Ali Sissoko. You know, has there been a player who has been given so many so many chances and wasted them so consistently? Yes, there's Alan Hutton. But ignoring that, um, you know, it's it's becoming increasingly clear they're not. Ali Soko for a, for a little while looked like he was a solid defensive option, but uh, unfortunately gives away so many clumsy fouls. And this is something we saw actually last season as well. Uh, you know that he would he always tries to wrestle the player, uh, and you know referees spot it and they do punish it. And uh, I think it's time time Jordan Amavi uh, got the chance to step in instead. What do you guys think? Yeah. Yeah, uh, Amavi's had a good run so far. I mean, he's improved from uh, Sissoko in the last few games. What do you think about Ali, Ellis? 
Yeah, I have to agree that he's been our worst player. Like, the wheel also come off the Ali Sissoko hype train, man. Like, just he's just the clumsiest player. Like, up until Steve Bruce came about, I'd have been inclined to maybe say that, um, yeah, Danak's been our worst player, but he's really improved the past few games, whereas Ali's just not. Well, if he doesn't play with us again, I'd kind of be okay with that. No, don't blame you. Don't blame me at all. But uh, Ali Sissoko, a very clumsy player. Looks like he's scared to get the ball. He doesn't want anyone to pass to him just in case because he knows what's <laughs> going to happen. Um, worst play? I mean, could you make an argument for Pierre-Luigi Gallini at all? No. No. no, I'm glad because there's a lot of people who dislike him because of the mistakes he's made. But I feel like he got caught up in the temper of Di Matteo's game on those two occasions against Wednesday and Huddersfield. Adam, is there an argument for Libor Kozak over? <laughs> Libor Kozak, I mean, again, uh, you know, I've got man, it would be, again, would be quite tough to uh, to punish him for it, though uh, we do need to think about offloading him, maybe. I was wondering what you guys were thinking about the central midfield. Uh, lots of people very unhappy uh, up until recently, maybe with Gary Gardner, uh, also with Ashley Westwood. Yeah, um, I mean, I'll, I'll jump in first. Um, I think it's unfair. It was unfair to criticise people like Westwood and Gardner under the system we played because there was only one other person they could rely on and that was someone exactly similar in playing style to them. So Gardner had to rely on the Westwood and Westwood had to rely on Gardner, which isn't healthy for anyone because they both kind of star in a three-man midfield where they've got two people to uh, do most of the pulling and shoving and they can concentrate on uh, linking the defensive midfield and the attacking midfield. But um, when they had each other, there was no plan. Um, they just ran around a lot and passed sidewards a lot. And there's nothing wrong with passing sidewards, but Villa fans will um, get on their haunches about that. Ellis, what do you think? Gary Gardner, Bradley Westwood, and, in for it? Like Yedinak, under Bruce, they've improved because of the different style of system that we're employing. Like before, they just didn't. They just looked isolated at times, but now they've got more men around them in the middle. seems like there's more options and it's not, there's less passing into danger. Like I remember Ashley Westwood got totally like overrun against Preston, but like with three man, men in the middle, we've not really seen that since, which is definitely a plus. Now, Adam, what, have you got something to say about that? Yeah, I think there's a difficulty is um, uh, Yednak, uh, Westwood, Gardner have all looked better. Um, you know, I think Shibler will, will uh, fight his way into contention there. But the question is, should those guys be keeping out, say, Ross McCormack? Should they be keeping out um, Rudy Justed? Should they be keeping out Jack Grealish when he comes back? Because uh, if we do play three of those central midfielders, we've only got three other slots to put in. If you assume that Kodja... Uh, you know, nowadays is looking like he might be nailed on. Albert Adoma as well has um, he's made a good impact. Uh, there's quite a lot of talented forward players there fighting for very few spots. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong at all. I mean, uh, Kodja's got to be nailed on his uh, form, uh, with the exception of maybe one or two matches against Ipswich and um, Birmingham, where he's been stifled. Um, he's looked like he's wanting to create something at every opportunity, and he's you know come out with fantastic scissor kicks when he got on the ball against um, with uh, Yedinak's long ball against Brentford. I think great goal, perfect goal. Um, he does pull stuff that uh, like seemingly people like Ayu or McCormack can't don't have in there. You know their locker. Ellis, what do you think about Kodja so far? Hugely impressive. Like I, I got to confess, I did not know anything about him when he signed and he's a lot bigger than I expected. Like he's a hugely physical player. 
and he's just a bit of a battering ram, really. So he can work out the right, but I think he is most effective up top, especially if he's the lone striker, because Ross McCormack just isn't a presence enough to be up top on his own. So come January, I'm assuming we're going to get money to spend. So if we can sign a midfielder that can work in a two, that's probably going to be McCormack's best bet for making an impact if he can move up top and have another striker to play off. Yeah, I mean, it is a shame, isn't it, Adam? Like you said, we can only play it, you know, there's only a finite number of people we can play at any one time. But if we do play someone like Ross McCormack, who is incredibly talented and gives it all for the cause, and, you know, he runs a lot, puts in a lot of effort, makes sure he uh, steps on people, uh, you know, puts his foot in, gets the yellow cards. What do you think? You know, there's not really room for them, is there, at all? It's difficult. I mean, McCormack, uh, McCormack's a clever player and he linked up very well with Grealish, um, you know, for a couple of matches down that left side. Um, I mean, the championship's a gruelling a grueling season, you know, there's a, there's a long, long way to go. A lot of matches still. Yeah, it feels like we get football every couple of days nowadays. Uh, yeah. So I'm sure there will be space eventually, you know, and we've already had, you know, a couple of injuries, um, you know, a couple of suspensions. So uh, maybe it's just a case of, of finding, uh, you know, letting each one find his own way. But I think Steve Bruce, what he has done early on, which Dimitri didn't, is he has begun to identify certain players who he clearly thinks uh, are going to be his spine. You know, Ingester and Codger, uh, Gleany seems to be now looking pretty pretty regular. So, um, yeah, it's a case of, of who's going to go join them. Yeah, it, uh, do you see Villa moving on any of their new signings already in January? Could, could that be uh, something that comes up, or uh, anyone who's impressing could be moved on in January? Will Villa struggle to hold on to someone? Do you reckon? There's always a chance that, uh, that a Premier League club is going to go swoop in on someone, uh, someone in the lower leagues who, who they think could rescue them, especially if they're in trouble around January. Um, uh, you'd, you'd hope not, obviously, uh, especially with those ones who've just signed. I just wonder, possibly Jordan Ayew might be one that they would have another look at if he's not getting inside. Um, you know, I think a couple of Premier League clubs seem to have come sniffing around uh, already in the summer. So there's just a question that if he's not happy uh, only getting intermittent play, uh, I, I'd be interested to see what happens then. There's one guy we haven't mentioned so far. Do either of you know who he is? He should be in one of the conversations, to be fair. Best player, I reckon. Do you know who he is, Ellis? Um, I, get, I might be able to guess. I think. Um, Go on then. Would it be the only the only international we know from Curacao? Yes, Leandro Bacuna. Guys, he's been a I wouldn't say a revelation, but he's a most improved certainly. Ellis, have you been focused on Leandro Bacuna too much? I mean, I never lost faith in the guy last season. I always thought he was a good player, and I'm actually pleased that people have stopped you know i got off his back because sure he said some stupid shit but i mean everyone no one covered himself in any glory last season and I mean, it's good to see he's managed to come through it and he looks like he still cares about a team where really he could have said right i'm off because your fans hate me was it but he really stood up was it stupid saying i would like to play in the champions league one day i mean every surely every single player wants to the, the message is fine. It's just the timing was not <laughs> ideal. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, Adam Bakuna, how's he been for you? 
Yeah, I think um, he, he's one of those that Bruce, he, sl- he slotted in well, you know, Bruce saw that we needed another body in midfield, and he saw that maybe we needed someone who was going to be a bit happy getting up the pitch, uh, filling the space in between the midfield and the strikers, and uh, and he's picked one, Leandro Kuna. To be fair, Leandro Kuna, he's always done the jobs willingly that he's been asked to do, and considering that we've never quite managed to figure out where we're meant to be playing him, um, I, I think he's been a, u- a good utility man. Uh, I would say again, it's it is a little bit troubling though that say we need to play Leandro Bakuna as a utility man instead of playing you know our twelve million pound striker or instead of playing you know Jack Grealish meant to be one of the most talented youngsters in this league. Um, I'm I'm not saying it doesn't make sense right now, but I'm saying it might not be the best sign for the future. It might need to be something that Bruce looks at and tries to think about how we can get a system so we don't have to keep bodging people into odd positions. Yeah, I mean, uh, Bak- this is uh, Bakuna's time to shine if there's ever been one. Um, Villa have had a massive hole in midfield since uh, Fabian Dalf left. Um, Aaron Villa looked like early on that he could fill it. And uh, Leandro Bakuna might be able to feel, you know, fulfil that creative attacking role. Um, what do you think, Adam? <laughs> you might be. Well, I was just going to pick up on, uh, you know, on on midfield holes. I thought this might be might be a fun fun one to talk about. Uh, players who you are missing most at the moment. Uh, <laughs> now, <laughs> those who have left us, and uh, I'm going to steal steal in early and say Idrissa Garnagay. Uh, it, it's a dagger to my heart every time I see him bossing that Everton midfield. He's uh, performed fantastic. If you haven't followed the Premier League, uh, Idris Agana has been fantastic for uh, the Toffees so far. He's been one of the Premier League's best players. He's been the N'Golo Kante of this year, even though he was the N'Golo Kante of last year. Um, but now he's <laughs> pl- playing at a higher level that Villa, than Villa could afford, even for Everton, who are kind of Villa's equals. Um, you know, just that team that kind of exists in the Premier League. Um, but uh, Idrissa Gunnar's done fantastic for them. I'm going to venture and say something here because Villa have sent out a bunch of players on loan that we could desperately do with. And one of them's Carlos Sanchez. Um, the other one strikes in mind are both Carlos Hill and Jordan Verratu, who are performing pretty well at every club they're at in a high level. So I'm not sure why we've allowed these players to go on loan. Um, it doesn't strike me as something amazing, I, especially when Villa are so stifled right now. I, I haven't much you think. them. How, how have they been doing? Uh, uh, Jordan Veratu scored a worldly the other day. Carlos Hill has been Carlos Hill. And uh, Carlos Sanchez has uh, been a constant starter for, for Fiorentina. What do you think about that, Alice? Uh, I mean, Carlos Hill has only played three games since going out on loan, so he hasn't actually made much of an impact. Fair enough. So, Fair enough. If he can't do it there, I feel a little bit better about us not playing him. I mean, and Veratu Vera was just not happy at the club, <laughs> so he he was like a better Nicholas Hellenius. You, you, so, you know why he wasn't no happy? How well he plays. You know why he wasn't happy? Because Aston Villa <laughs> allegedly, Aston Villa were definitely due. To pay him after thirty, pay him and Nantes after thirty appearances, and guess how many he made before being stopped playing played by Aston Villa. It's a total coincidence, but it's twenty nine, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's twenty nine. Do you reckon it's a coincidence, Ellis? Uh, yeah, no, m- maybe. I mean, uh, no, it is not a coincidence, is it? What do you think, Adam? Well, we should talk about then the other man who who this because this came up in reference to Dharma Traore. Um, no, I don't think it's quits. I genuinely think that's what that's what the club 
were doing in that moment. Uh, you know, that that by the by the point where he would have been in line um, to play that thirtieth appearance, the the club had essentially given up. Oh. I mean, you can't blame us. We're not the Villa aren't the only team that have ever done that. Yeah, because I remember it was something like Gary O'Neill with Portsmouth and Middlesbrough. So yeah, yeah. yeah, it's shady, but you know we're not doing what everyone else ain't doing. Yeah, yeah, Adam, you got something to say? Yeah, I mean, should we? Um, perhaps we should just pick up on Traore as well. Um, uh, and I'm I'm going to go against it because this is a guy who has had a little bit of attention. Uh, seems to have been playing okay for Middlesbrough. And uh, I'm personally, I think he's soon Middlesbrough fans will realise uh, he's not all that. Though I've got to admit, he he's put together at least one good pass and one good cross so far <laughs> uh, for for Middlesbrough, which was at least double what he did uh, what he did with Villa. So, what do you guys think about uh, Match of the Day's new favourite starlet? Uh, it's it's annoying because we felt that about Traor, right? You know, he has bursts of amazing abilities. He's, a, he's an absolute physical specimen. Um, he never seems to run out of energy, um, even when he's played, you know, a solid part of a match. Um, he he does have, he's quite injury prone. He's had a few injuries at Aston Villa. Um, but yeah, uh, most of what he does, I think people are starting to catch on to the idea that he will run with the ball and run it into the corner flag, and that's about it. Um, Ellis, and I mean, he might come good, but. For Villa, for the money he was on and the ability he had at the time, getting rid of him was the right option. Yeah. So, and I don't watch much of the day anymore because we're not on it, so <laughs> I don't have to see about him, so I don't care. Yeah, um, they they do love him, um, but uh, I remember him coming on against Rotherham, and everyone's thinking, yeah, he's gonna boss it at Darmazan against a Championship club. The first thing he does is just run up, run around. He ran around every single player and ran it out the right up into the corner and out. <laughs> that was the last time he appeared for Villa. Um, but yeah, let's round off now. We're coming to about 40 minutes. I think it's a good time uh, to discuss our hopes for this season. What do you think, Adam? Ooh, it's a tough one. Uh, I'm going to go with, I'm hoping for a playoff place at this point. It, um, unfortunately, sad as it is, it does appear that Newcastle um, are strong. You know, they just got lucky. They got Rafa Benitez. If we got Rafa Benitez, we'd be strong as well. <laughs> um so, uh, you know, I think they're too strong. Obviously, I think someone else will pick up uh, that second automatic spot and we're probably a bit too far off. Um, but a promotion spot is not too much to hope for. There's a long way to go. Yeah, it's a, a battle of endurance and Villa certainly have the numbers, especially up front to uh, cope with uh, any injuries or fatigue that may come our way. Ellis, uh, playoffs realistic? Um, I guess. But at the start of the season, I said I'd be happy with eighth and I would keep that. Because I think this season we need to consolidate even more so after the start we've had. I think the plan was always get up within the first two years. And I don't see any reason to stress out too much about we need to get up immediately if that comes at the expense of like stabilising the club. So top half for me. Yeah, it's a realistic that uh, Villa can possibly grab a playoff place. Um, it is, you know, as I said, a battle of endurance. Um, there's maybe no hope of a title this year, but that, you know, Eventually, under the plan of Tony Shaw, he's said all the words that may come eventually, uh, and it may not be uh, the championship trophy, but something else. Adam, is that it? Are we all done? Um, yeah, I think. Um, any, any so words? again, just just remind everyone, uh, the ladies will be playing this weekend at Villa Park. Uh, I'm sure you know there are there are some tickets. Uh, go join James and Ellis there cheering on the ladies. Yeah. Um, and I think you know, take it 
we've got to get behind all, all the Villa teams that there are. Yeah, there he is. Adam Clark is on the Twitter. Ellis, final final thoughts? Um, yeah, Sunday should be fun, but also the men's team are playing on Saturday. Yep. And then we've got an international break and hopefully we can end the year on a high. I'd like to, you know, you'd like to think that um, we've got that kind of festive splurge of fixtures coming up where we certainly see a few different variations of an Aston Villa team rather than trotting the same old characters. But yeah, guys, that's Ellis Sanford at it's underscore Ellis. Am I right? Yep, that's me. Perfect, perfect. And I'm uh, at Jamo Rushton. If the Chicago Cubs can break a 108 year winning streak, then surely Aston Villa can win a few games on the trot under Steve Bruce. That's been On the Pod, episode eight. Thank you for listening and thank you for following 7500 Toll. See you guys. Bye.